Welcome to Showcase Chicago Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Reyes, a Chicagoland realtor with ARE Partners. And in this podcast, we delve into the heart of all things Chicago, real estate, and life as we engage in authentic conversations about some of the most significant decisions we make. And in today's episode, I'm excited to share our Q2 market updates. And I am joined by my managing broker, uh, former president of Chicago Association of Realtors, uh, and the president of ARE Partners Chicago, and, or actually Illinois and Indiana, correct? Just Anche, globally. Global. <laughs> I love that, actually. Anche Gerkin. So thank you for being here today and in having this conversation with me about the quarter two market update and what uh, the real estate market is looking like. Uh, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself as an intro? I am the president of ARE Partners and we do business in the Chicagoland area and Northwest Indiana. And um, I'm excited to have you here and host you here in our Indiana office. Chesterton, Indiana is the home of ARE Partners Indiana, as well as Elysian Field Stables, which is a hunter jumper sport horse facility, which means that we have these magnificent creatures that we use as sport horses. I love that our firm, our brokerage is has so many branches and that we are Illinois focus, we have Indiana brokers, and I love being here today and having this conversation with Thanks you. Thanks for making the drive. Thank you. Um, I think where, where we start, uh, where, well, let's say, um, from my perspective, where the market is from my personal business, um, overall, I think a lot of doom and gloom conversations are being had about the markets and it being a challenging market. In my personal business, I am actually um, at like 90% of the volume I've already done in the past three years consistently this year. Mm -hmm. So in my personal business, I'm doing re relatively good, well. Um, I, I do see overall the conversations that business is down or closed sales are down about 30%. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot, there's a slowdown in activity, there's a lot, there's an inventory issue in Chicago and with these higher interest rates, um, it's definitely been, um, a slower market for, for than we're used to. Um, however, I have you know several active buyers right now who are really taking advantage of the opportunities that are here in this market. Um, while interest rates are up, there is still lots of talk of the interest rates coming back down to a more stable uh, or more say high not stable but more um, tolerable uh, tolerable digestible um, rates. Um, but at the same time, though, I think my buyers understand that rates fluctuate and what we saw in those in the COVID times two three percent we're probably not going to see ever again and really the average numbers right now are you know the six percent are really more of an average mm -hmm. uh, when you look at the life of uh, history in terms of interest rates um, and so my buyers right now are taking the opportunity to know that it's going to come back down and they're going to refinance when the market shifts in terms of interest rates and they're getting several of them are getting some really great uh you know, uh, grants and uh, down payment assistance. And these are some really good opportunities to, you know, not rent. And instead of paying someone else's mortgage, pay your own. And my buyers are feeling uh, confident in uh, taking advantage of that, where there is a lot of doom and gloom talk, like, let's just shut down. Let's let's not buy, let's not sell. Uh, my buyers are feeling like, no, I see the opportunity that mm -hmm. is here. And uh, in a year or two, how that's gonna continue to map out. And I also will say Chicago overall 
is a stable, strong market versus maybe something like Arizona or in other states where the prices are down about 30%. We're only down about three, three and a half percent in uh, closed sales price or average sale price uh, versus other markets. Um, that's kind of my quick little synopsis of the market in my personal business. Uh, what's your take on the Q2 of the real estate markets? So you touched on a lot of it. And um, every time you, you made a comment, I'm like, yes, and... Yes, and. and it's important that our clients are um, presented with uh, the data. You know, home buying is a very personal decision, Absolutely. but it should be made. Uh, it should be an educated decision. And so you want to have a realtor um, working with you as your partner um, to provide that data so that um, the decision can be made objectively. Absolutely. Right. Um, even though it is a very emotional decision. Correct. So um, so you touched on a lot of points and I agree with a lot of them. You know, the the Midwest generally is a more affordable area in the country um, and remains um, a great place to own real estate. Um, unfortunately, some of the other parts of the country, you know, have such high costs of living in the Midwest um, generally. Um, more affordable. Uh, that that being said, you know there is a lack of affordable housing, which we can go down a rabbit hole um, to talk about that. But what I really wanted to focus on is, you know, you're talking about renting and how renting, as opposed mm. to buying and owning real estate, is still such an important topic, uh, regardless of the interest rates. The um, the cost of renting versus the cost of owning is is so dramatic. You know, I've seen statistics, uh, a lot of different statistics, but generally the wealth that a renter accumulates, um, the wealth that they hold is about $8,000, where it's in the hundreds of thousands Absolutely. for if you own real estate. So recently I've actually had a lot of um, single, um, buyers who are buying one bedroom condos. So I had a buyer who did that, uh, decided that they weren't going to rent, um, moved into a one bedroom condo, um, um, in printers row in Chicago. Um, and recently have gotten several listings of one bedroom condos that went under market under contract very quickly in old town in river North. And I have one coming up on the far North side, uh, near Loyola and Rogers park. So, Interestingly, people are seeing that regardless of the interest rate, which by the way, I mean, many people who've been in the industry for decades will tell you Absolutely. six and 7%. I mean, that's a, that's a decent interest rate. Um, <laughs> and it's all about perspective, right? right? I think everyone is like, it's, it's letting them digest that this is really an average. It's no longer, you know, what they had in the COVID times is not going to happen. <laughs> right. Well, look, I mean, COVID, what, what were they saying? Everything during COVID was unprecedented. And the interest rates at 3% were unprecedented. And, you know, for those of us who were able to take advantage of those at the time, great. Um, and But that that also feeds into low inventory, right? Um, Which is the big, I mean, I feel like we've been saying it for years, but this low inventory has really been the biggest issue, especially in our markets. Right. And and if, if there's someone who has a property, like I have a, a client who I have sold, um, helped her buy, and she has a great interest rate. Uh, she was able to refi during COVID and get just the lowest interest rate imaginable. 
um, but she would like to sell her home um, due to some um, changes in her family. And, but it's hard for her to justify buying a new home at a higher interest rate. And so that sort of creates this like loop, like this vicious circle. So she's not going to sell her current home because her interest rate is so, so low, um, which then feeds how many buyers are in the market looking for newer homes and so forth and so on. And so it perpetuates that. But that being said, you know, we're still seeing activity and we're seeing people buying in, in ways that um, they have been. And also getting clients who, you know, my ARE partner's um, approach to real estate has always been to be fluid and move with the market, right? So we Absolutely. started uh, during the recession, worked with a lot of bank clients, did a lot of distressed properties at that time. And then as the market shifted, we had the great fortune to work on traditional transactions um, and deal with buyers and sellers. And now as the market shifts and we don't know what's going to happen, we fortunately have those relationships, right? So one of the one bedroom condos that came up in river North, mm -hmm. um, is a foreclosure. It's a bank owned unit. And so, you know, we were able to consult with the bank and get them to rehab the unit. Um, which was wonderfully done. <laughs> and your video on it, by the way, if you haven't seen Michael's video on it, it's phenomenal well, the before and after um, are you I standing in front of a green screen at the initial uh, no i'm not you're standing in the kitchen i'm standing the... in the kitchen oh wow yes it looks great so if you haven't seen it um so that one went under contract pretty quickly but we have d diverse streams of um business and um whether it's traditional or institutional um we're able to sort of shift with the market so that's been one of the great things for are partners and the agents who work for us who can take advantage of those opportunities. Well, that's, I mean, I've said it before, but you know, maybe you haven't heard it, but one of the reasons I joined this firm was because of the diverse uh, type of transactions, whether it's commercial, whether it's distressed or depressed properties, um, foreclosures, short sales. I mean, the wealth of knowledge that we collaborate with as a team, as an office, and how we support each other is, um, it's been really helpful in my personal business. And I know that you know, even in this market, when I'm I'm negotiating a deal or I want to reach out to my teammates and say, hey, this is how I'm thinking about this. How would you think about this? And how can we negotiate this deal for my our mutual clients better? Okay. Right. So we're consistently um, bringing that knowledge of all, that we all have and shared. Mm -hmm. And we're giving that to our clients and empowering them with the right information. Exactly. So, yeah. It's important to have that information. And again, that brings us back to, you know, my original comment, which is having a realtor who can, um, who is informed, who is knowledgeable of what's happening, who's on top of it on a daily basis, because things, you know, change, mm -hmm. um, on a daily basis, who knows what's happening, um, even with laws and, um, I mean, every element. So you want to have a realtor who is knowledgeable and knows about the market locally and what may be coming down the pipe. Absolutely. Um, and so forth. And so, um, I'm very, I'm very pleased the agents um, at ARE Partners are dedicated to their craft. Absolutely. And consistently improving their craft and learning. And one of the things that, you know, Ancha has instilled in all of us is the volunteering and being a part of the association. The Chicago Association of Realtors has been around for 139 years. I was the 138th president. And that was, you know, one of the, um, one of the great honors of my professional career. But um, the thing that that I've said and believe very strongly to be true is that the Chicago Association of Realtors sort of um, sets the bar. 
And, mm. you know, as far as being first, and I've, I'm all about that first lead to forevers. Yes, you um, are. The Chicago Association of Realtors was the first realtor association to apologize for discriminatory practices, which were actually put in place by the realtors. Um, and when we uh, celebrated the 50th year of fair housing, which was uh, five years ago, mm-hmm. um, we apologized for the realtor's role in discriminatory um, practices when it comes to real estate. And um, a couple years later, the National Association of Realtors apologized. Mm-hmm. So um, Chicago really does, does um, we're the pioneers, I think. We set the, we set the bar. Yes. And realtors are at the forefront of that fight. Um, though I hate saying it's a fight, but... Well, it, it, it is a fight because we're fighting for... Um, for the American dream. We're yeah. fighting for everyone deserving that American dream of home ownership and that Absolutely. I'm very passionate about it actually. It's 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 one of the things that, you know, I mean, home and that feeling of safety and security whether you're buying, whether you you know, you own your home or you're renting your home, it that doesn't matter. It's your home. Absolutely. And that's where you're supposed to have safety. That's, Absolutely. That's where it starts. And so yeah, it's important. And I'll spend that uh whether you're renting or buying back to kind of the, the current market too. I think that rents right now um, are, are elevated. Uh, rental prices have gone up quite a bit in the, in this last quarter, I would say. Um, have you seen that as well? I haven't looked at the data, but okay. generally speaking, I mean, um, I can't speak to the data is what I'm trying to say. Um, but but rental prices continue to rise. The cost of ownership of, of multifamily buildings has gone up. And that's one of the things that people don't talk a lot about, but one of one of the ways that people can start building more wealth is by buying mm-hmm. multifamily, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe a smaller, a two unit, for instance. You know, I do both residential and commercial and of the commercial that I do, multifamily is my favorite. Um, I think maybe because that's how I started in real estate yeah. is investing in multifamily. Um, so well before I ever became a, a realtor and helped other people, I was doing that for my myself and my family. Um, so I really love the multifamily market. But a great way for people to start in real estate as investors, as investors, is to buy an owner-occupied two-unit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because you know it, it's kind of easy to crunch those numbers to see like what will the other unit pay. How much of that will you apply to your mortgage? Will it cover your entire mortgage? Mm -hmm. Um, If it doesn't cover your entire mortgage, is what you have to contribute to your mortgage less than what you're paying in rent on your own? Exactly. And if it is less than what you're paying in rent on your own, can you take that difference? So just to make it easy numbers, let's say you're paying $1,000 in rent. Mm -hmm. Now you own this two unit, you have to contribute $500 towards the mortgage. You have this other $500 that you would have been paying for rent. Put that away. Mm-hmm. Put it away. And then in a couple of years, you have a little bit saved. And then you've you, paid down your mortgage. You yes. have equity. You have more savings. Yes. I mean, it's a spiral. And then you move on to the next step, right? And then you buy maybe a single family. I had clients who did that. For, well, it's, was, it's such a great story because originally they were looking for a condo that they could maybe lease out, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, that way, when they were ready to move on to a single family, they could rent out that condo. 
um, instead of just selling it. So they were looking to build a portfolio. Well, we looked and looked, you know, some of the condos, they couldn't rent them out. The ones that they liked the most, they couldn't rent them out. It wasn't in their current bylaws. Um, and we looked at the numbers and I'm like, you know, you could probably qualify. I'm not a lender. I can. And, you know, they ended up working with one of our mutual lenders with Linda Scott from Wintrust Mortgage. Um, you can get into a two unit. And they did. And they lived in that two unit for gonna, a while. I'm going to interject just really quickly. I think people don't realize when you buy a multifamily, a two unit or a three unit, they take uh, your salary for the loan, but they also take, I believe, again, I'm not a lender, 75% uh, of the current rental income as your income for you to qualify for the mortgage. Right, right. So the monies that you make, and I'm not sure about the 75% number again, but but I'm not refuting it. I just don't. Well, and I don't, and again, we're not lenders. So, <laughs> we, you know, we have great to refer you to, but I, I want to say there's a rule. I know for sure that, some of the rental income is used to qualify yes, for the market. Exactly. So they take that money as as, as part of the income. Mm -hmm. And so you you qualify for more than if you were buying a condo, for instance. Mm -hmm. And so we got them in that in that two unit. Um, they rented it out. They lived in there for a couple years. And then when they were ready, uh, we got them a single family home. And so now they hold that two unit as purely investment. Um, and they're ready to move on to picking up some more units Absolutely. as a result. And so um, it's a great entry point. Um, it's manageable and you learn a lot about real estate by owning it, by owning a uh, rental unit. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a huge supporter of that market. Uh, one of the other things that I really thought, um, maybe people don't know about it, they do or don't, I'm going to share, but a 1031 exchange. Um, my investor clients will buy a multifamily and that's, so let's say they buy the first multifamily, they hold it for two years, then they sell that multifamily and they buy two more multifamilies with the proceeds from that sale. Then they have two multifamilies. When they sell it, they'll keep the two, maybe for a year or two. Then they sell one, keep the other one. And with a 1031 exchange, you defer the tax liability. Mm -hmm. And so as long as you get under contract within, I want to say 45 days uh, of that sale, you sell one of those two units, buy two more with the proceeds and defer the taxes. So you're building your portfolio and you're buying several multifamilies and you're, every two or three years, you're selling one of them off to buy two more. And you start to build your portfolio. Mm -hmm. The only thing I want to contribute to that conversation is that 1031 exchange. Um, there was a time in our recent past that... Um, there was a potential of losing the 1031 exchange. I know where you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> She's a huge supporter of RPAC. Yes. The, the, <laughs> is that where you're going with this? Yes. The Realtor <laughs> Political Action Committee, which is the largest bipartisan uh, political action committee in the country, which um, the only agenda is to um, promote property, home ownership and property rights, uh, and to advocate for that. And so... You know, fortunately, we were able to keep the 1031 exchange in place due to, you know, the um, investment into RPAC. Um, so if you're a realtor watching this, I highly recommend um, investing. I think the minimum amount in the Chicago market is $25. Um, it's voluntary uh, in Illinois. Um, and um, yeah, it's an investment. Yeah. Um, where have you what where have you found yourself recently like what neighborhood
have you been at recently? Then? I've been working a lot in the Andersonville market lately. Uh, I actually just put a deal together in Elgin. Uh, oh, wow. So I think it's something to be said that I, you know, we go where our clients are, you know, and my clients are taking me out. At this point, I've done deals in Joliet. I've done deals in Tinley Park. Um, but of course, I live in Irving Park. So I do several things in Irving Park, Albany Park, Portage Park. Um, but the Andersonville market is very hot. It's one of the well-known neighborhoods in the city. Um, I, I want to say it's voted one of the top neighborhoods in the, in the country, but don't quote me on that. So a lot, a lot of times people ask, like, what are the hottest parts of the city, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and my response to that always is it, it's such a personal decision. Home buying is such a personal decision. It could be whatever area that someone wants to see themselves in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So... Um, you know, we go where our clients are. If they want to buy something in Andersonville, we're going to go to Andersonville. If they're interested in buying in Bronzeville, we're going to go to Bronzeville. Absolutely. Right. Um, or, you know, anywhere, uh, in the 77 different neighborhoods in Chicago or the suburbs and then an extension into Northwest Indiana. You know, we've had a lot of buyers actually who were trying to buy in the Chicago market, um, and the further east you go in northwest indiana the more this is a generalization but there's this affordability where if you move in this direction taxes are lower Mm. um and obviously the accessibility into chicago is the same as some of the suburbs so we are seeing people move into the northwest indiana market um we've been licensed here since um before all of this because we saw that trend Mm. right um so that people could have really the best of both worlds. I have the best of both worlds where you could be in a, um, live in a cornfield if that's what, you know, you want and have that direct access to downtown Chicago. So for me personally, this makes perfect sense, but Absolutely. everybody's different. And so that's why, um, well, I will say too, I think that every neighborhood is different. One of the tools that we get a lot of our data from that is, um, it's called InfoSpark. Uh, and it's a realtor benefit tool that we use to crunch the numbers. And we can we can pull unique reports for each of the 77 neighborhoods. And uh, that's where we're getting most of the statistics that we've shared today on this episode. Uh, but if you need a hyper-focus like Bronzeville, we can pull those numbers. What has been the trends in that neighborhood for the last 15 years? Mm-hmm. We could even graph that out and see the different changes in, in the pricing and the market. Because... That's the thing about Chicago. <laughs> there are so many pockets, right? And so wherever you want to be, there's no right or wrong neighborhood. It's where you want to be. That's yeah. exactly right. And people make decisions based on so many things, um, what the schools or where their families live or, you know, where they, uh, you know, for me, if I could live in a high rise on the lakefront, I would love that. Wouldn't you love that? Too? I actually would not love to live in a high rise on the lakefront. Really? <laughs> I mean, but you're always at the beach. I am always at the beach, but I, 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 I need a yard. I need high rise living is not for me. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I mean, we haven't had a buyer consult, so I yeah, know exactly, that exactly. So, I think actually you're right. Look, I have German shepherds, so living in a high rise would be kind of hard for us. Um, but one of our agents, um, Patricia, has um, she has these two big dogs. Shout out to Patricia. <laughs> she lived in a high rise. Um, um, for a long time, yeah. taking her dogs down, you know. Currently the on the market, actually. Oh, yes, it is on it's, the market. It's That's currently correct. on the market. It's one in of our park, listings at Airy Park. Park Place. Yes. So take a look at that, 655 West Irving Park Road. And she has a lot of units in that building, actually, that she's 
been involved with. Um, She's lived there for many years, and she has uh, really built a great reputation in the building yeah. and a lot of trust. And um, yeah, shout out to Patricia. Yeah, it's wine more <laughs> honors. I think that's the right word, name yeah. of the dog. But anyway, anyway, yeah, you know, I actually, I, I think ultimately I'd love to be on the lake. Yeah. That's why I say that. Um, I'd like to be near the water for sure, just um, in a multi-family of sorts, either a two or four unit building with okay. a yard. And okay, yeah, huh? Interesting. Well, <laughs> fortunately, the lake curves right around, right? So this is true. We can be up in Edgewater. Uh, we can be in South Shore. We can come all the way around the bend and be in Miller mm -hmm. or Beverly Shores, where we've had some listings. So there's um, the lake is great. I love the lake. So ultimately, yeah. if I could be on the lake, that would that would be my first choice. But everybody's homeowners. Uh, uh, home buying um, is based on such a personal preference. So it's important to know what those are, mm -hmm. right? And another fun fact of Chicago, we have the 77 primary neighborhoods, but we have over 200 sub-neighborhoods. <laughs> right. <laughs> so every, 70, every one of those 77 has another four or five kind of subcategory neighborhoods in them. So it's interesting to know all the different neighborhoods. Right, exactly. I mean, it's kind of interesting because people will be like, well, is it Lakeview or is it Wrigley? Well... It's both. Exactly. Right? It's yeah. both. Yeah, yeah, it's both. It's funny. One of my good friends who I just met, uh, spent some time with this past week, and when I first met him, I was early in my career, um, I had mentioned, he had mentioned, I live in Graceland West. I was oh, like, okay. I don't, what are you talking about? There's no such thing as a Graceland West. I know all the cities in Chicago. I know this neighborhood. He's like, no, I, I live there. And I had to verify it. And until this day, he gives me crap about it. <laughs> So I definitely know where Grayson West is now, and there's just so many little sub pockets in the neighborhood. Yeah. So. I mean, that's the great thing about living in Chicago. It's what I love about Chicago. Mm -hmm. I mean, and so I have my target little um, places I like to go in different neighborhoods, mm -hmm. or if I'm trying something or going somewhere for the first time, mm -hmm. uh, to go somewhere new like that. So yeah. I love that you highlight that in your um, posts that, you know, you're at a certain coffee shop or you're somewhere in the city very targeted. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's super cool. I love being a remote broker working wherever I am and like pulling out my laptop wherever I am getting it done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no need to be in an office somewhere. I'm, I'm everywhere where you need me. Um, so to kind of wrap up, uh, what are your talking points with working with sellers in this market? Mm -hmm. So um, before I answer that. I really wanted to get that one too. Go ahead. No, I, I'm answering it. But it's important to to remember that um, the last couple of years, again, we used the word unprecedented. There was some, you know, um, crazy, crazy things happening in the market. And sometimes, you know, so many buyers buying for one property. And of course, mm -hmm. um, the laws of supply and demand indicate that if you have one house and you have 20 buyers, the price of that house will obviously go up. It's more in demand. So we've seen some really high prices for homes. Mm -hmm. And what that's created is this perception that home prices are just continuously rising. Mm. Right? Okay. And so we have to set a very realistic expectation for our sellers that, yes, home prices are up. And this is a great time to sell. You probably get optimal value for your home. We can see the percentage of a home price increase like over the last years that maybe over the last five years, a home price has increased by 20% in that community, right? And that helps us come up with a fair market value for the home. Um, what we don't want to do is be crazy about the pricing. I'm so glad you said that. I think that's very important. We need to be realistic about the pricing. Um, so if a home is priced correctly, 
it will likely still see multiple offers and sell quickly. And I can speak to that. I've been in some in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And um, I think that if you obviously overprice a home. Um, it still will sit in this market of low inventory. That's correct. I mean, if you if you're listing a home and you can and we can provide this data to our sellers, right? And we do this on a on a weekly basic basis for our listings is we can say, you know, homes in this market have had, you know, eight showings before going under contract. And if we are exceeding what the data shows, it's a very clear indicator that the home is overpriced. Mm -hmm. And so if a home is priced correctly, it will likely still see multiple offers and a quick sale. Quick sale. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and that's what we're ultimately trying to get for our clients, mm -hmm. right? We want to get the most money for them in, in as short a period of time as possible. Well, as we wrap up, just one one last question. Um, how are you keeping your buyers motivated in this market? Um, what, are, what are the things you're telling your buyers in this market and how are you working with them? Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously with low inventory, um, there may not be a lot of results that meet the criteria of a buyer's search. Yes. Right? Um, so how do we keep our buyers motivated? Not disappointed or frustrated or give up on the search. Um, you know, part of that comes down to a little bit of, and I hate, I hate this um, because it seems kind of, I mean wishy-washy, but it's essentially the right home will come along. I've had scenarios with some of my buyers where we've lost, um, we've lost a bid in a multiple offer scenario and we end up getting them something and it's exactly right. And it wasn't expected. And they wouldn't have gotten into that home if that previous offer was accepted. There's this song, um, I think it's a country song and I don't even, I think it's called Unanswered Prayers. Oh. And it, it talks about how this guy is thankful for the unanswered prayers because, you know, if you had gotten what you thought you wanted previously, you wouldn't have found Absolutely. where you ended up. Absolutely. And so that's, you know, we do try to stay focused on that. Now, obviously, um, when somebody is disheartened or disappointed, it's hard to keep them motivated just by referencing a song. <laughs> a song yeah right <laughs> but that being said um you know we also try to provide alternative elements meaning if someone's looking in a location are they really married to that location mm -hmm. you know we look in locations in neighboring communities absolutely like have you thought maybe this community and here's something that might have come up so we have to we have to think a little bit outside of the box. So maybe they're very targeted on something, um, but maybe this is an opportunity. Maybe yeah. this is an opportunity. And they may not even have considered it because they don't know. And it speaks to, just to add to that, I think a lot of times, like, I don't want to waste everybody's time. Or, or no, every showing, every opportunity is to educate us on what our buyers are looking for. And the more information and perspective we understand of our buyers, we can then bring them to these listings that maybe are just on the outskirts or we know what they're looking for because we become so intimate with our clients and so, uh, you know, understand really what they're looking for at the core. Mm -hmm. And so we can have those conversations with them. Um, and I'll add to that as well to say that, you know, during COVID, I had a, a, a seller who was also a buyer and we looked for over a year. Oh, wow. 
we put in, I want to say seven to 10 offers, but no one would take their contingency at the time of having to sell their home. Mm-hmm. However, one thing I always affirm for all of my buyers, right house, right time, right price. It's all going to come together, right? So you just have to stay motivated. At the end, they ended up getting a great home in Tinley Park, and we got significantly over asking on their sale, which I knew was going to happen, but it was convincing the all the offers we're putting in, all the, the listing agents that my buyers are truly qualified. Here are the photos of their home. I have it ready to go on the private network. We're ready. We're here. It's going to happen. We know this market, but no one would take it. Finally, after seven or eight offers, uh, the right situation presented itself, the right property came together, and they moved into this wonderful home. So being patient, staying consistent, and trusting the process mm-hmm. is, I think, really important. Yes, exactly. And and not buying something out of that desperate, desperate feeling. Yes. Yeah. That's important because you don't want someone to not be happy once they're in there. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's, it's, you know, as I say, it doesn't suck when you lose a deal and you really have your heart set in it. It does. It sucks. It sucks for my buyers. It sucks for me. You know, it sucks for everybody. It's true. You know, and it's, especially because we, and I've said this before, we're relational brokers. We're not transactional brokers. We really, really care about our clients and we want the absolute best for them. So it sucks. But um, there's, there's a the knowing and a confidence that it's going to come together at the right time, the right price, in the right home, and just trusting that. And what's meant to be will be. That's exactly right. And also to remember that for ourselves as realtors. Absolutely. You know, that's the doctor heal thyself statement. Like yes. You're convincing your clients of that. And, you know, sometimes as realtors, we, we feel that same pain. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we put a good smile on it, or at least I do. I'll speak for myself. <laughs> I'll smile through it. I'm like... I'll stay motivated, but let me tell you, I'm I'm just as frustrated, if not more so, because <laughs> I'm so emotionally invested in them. But yeah, you just got to put a good face on and know and trust the process. You have to trust the process. Exactly. And and it comes that, you know, what's supposed to happen will happen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Anche, this is fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the Showcase Chicago podcast today. Uh, it has been an honor and I appreciate being a part of Airy Partners family and um, so much more to come. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. For, and thanks for dri- making the drive out here to see us here at our Indiana office. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Showcase Chicago podcast. If I could support you with your real estate needs, you can search Showcase Chicago or Michael Reyes on all social media platforms or go to www.showcase-chicago.com. Until next time, continue to live your best life. I'm Michael Reyes with ARE Partners. Thanks for listening.